This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Folks, these days more investors are getting into day trading to take advantage of market downturns instead of watching helplessly from the sidelines. The problem? Day trading can be risky and trading the downside can be confusing. But binary options on Nadex let you day trade with risk protection built in. You decide your maximum risk and reward and you can never lose more. And trading downturns is just as easy as trading rallies. Try day trading for yourself on the first and largest American binary options exchange. Trade stock indexes, commodities, forex, even economic numbers. See why over 100,000 members choose Nadex. Find out more at Nadex.com. That's N-A-D-E-X.com. Trading on Nadex involves risk and may not be appropriate for all investors. And now... Enjoy the podcast. Being sexually harassed is the worst. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Being sexually harassed by an ugly guy is the worst. (laughs) If he's hot, it's just plain old flirting. No one's ever been like, get away from me, you model. That's fine. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis. Welcome to Kick-Ass News. That was a clip from Eliza Schlesinger's 2016 Netflix comedy special, Confirmed Kills. Since becoming the first woman and the youngest comedian ever to win NBC's last comic standing in 2008, she's skyrocketed to the top of the comedy world as one of the most popular comedians in America, having written and starred in three Netflix comedy specials, beginning with War Paint, which reached number one on the iTunes charts and was named one of the top ten albums of 2013, followed by Freezing Hot in 2015 and Confirmed Kills just last year. She was recently featured in Elle magazine's Women in Comedy issue and was listed in Esquire magazine as one of today's top working comedians. She's the creator and star of Forever 31 on Hulu and ABC, and her late-night show, Truth and Eliza, debuted this spring on Freeform TV. Now Eliza Schlesinger is bringing her unique take on being a woman to her new book titled Girl Logic, The Genius and the Absurdity. And today, Eliza will give me an education in how girl logic works, why what looks to us guys as indecisiveness is actually a more evolved way of thinking, and how this relates to everything from fashion to the most frustrating question a man can ask a woman, what do you want to eat? Plus, Eliza's thoughts on Harvey Weinstein, guys who fake their own death, how to win a reality show, and how to deal with mermaid hate mail. Coming up with comedian Eliza Schlesinger in just a moment. Today I'm sitting down with comedian Eliza Schlesinger. Since becoming the only woman and the youngest comedian ever to be named NBC's last comic standing in 2008, Eliza has written and starred in three Netflix comedy specials. She's the creator and star of the series Forever 31 on Hulu and ABC, and her new late-night show, Truth and Eliza, debuted this May on Freeform. She's appeared on The Today Show, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and The Late Late Show with James Corden. And when she's not busy with that, Eliza travels to entertain the troops with the USO. Now she's written a brand new book called Girl Logic, The Genius and Absurdity. Eliza Schlesinger and your dog, Blanche, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Before we get into the substance of the book, um, we may as well, I guess, deal with the elephant in the room here. I want to point out that the book is published by Weinstein Books, and all proceeds will go to the Harvey Weinstein Legal Defense Fund. Eliza wants you to know that Harvey mm -hmm. is a saint, and all these women are liars, right? They're all liars, and he's, you know, I feel bad for him, and they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have put themselves, (laughs) I feel like this is going to be extrapolated as a soundbite, and I'll be held up as like public enemy number one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, They shouldn't have asked for it. They shouldn't have looked like that. Uh, so a fascinating thing. So my book is was, you know, it was Weinstein books. 
and, you know, a couple weeks before this was set to print. Because, you know, they have the manuscript forever and then they pick a print date. Right. And, of course, because the world is out to get me, <laughs> although much many other women had it much worse, uh, the, the, it printed and then this happened. So my book is the last one to have the Weinstein logo on it. That's a unique distinction. Yeah, it's like having a, a flatware with Nazi insignia on it, you know, left, left, left over. Um, but the second run, when there is one, will have Hachette books on it. And okay. when this happened, you know, I knew the book was coming out. So I just issued a statement. I'm like, I obviously completely right. condemn him. It's deplorable. However, not even however, but you should also know Weinstein Books is a small company. It's two women. It's uh-huh. two women who run it and have been working with me. So I and this book is all about empowerment and my life and being a strong woman. So to you know, I get that it's with him, but it, I've never met the guy. It has nothing to do with him. Uh, you know, people use products that are made by companies that have oil spills all the time. So I have nothing to do with it. He's disgusting. Uh, but I didn't want to not be proud of a book. It would be another example of a man doing something disgusting and women paying for it. Right. So has it put you in an uncomfortable position of having to defend your book against something that has absolutely nothing to do with you? Not at all. <laughs> nobody, nobody so far, and I'm shocked, yeah. has been stupid enough to criticize me for not having a crystal ball and knowing that the guy was a rapist <laughs> way ahead of time. So no, no one said anything. Yeah. And if anyone is that dumb, frankly, I don't want them reading the book. Yeah. I don't want someone yeah. that associates me with them that dumb around me. Well, you have all these allegations that have come out, not just Harvey Weinstein, but women coming out and speaking out about incidents with James Toback, Kevin Spacey, this laundry list of Hollywood yeah. celebrities and producers. Is that kind of abuse of power and sexual harassment something that you've ever experienced or witnessed yourself coming up in the business? I've definitely witnessed it. Mm-hmm. I can't say I've experienced it to the degree that a lot of these women unfortunately went through. You know, I've never been raped. I've never been pressured into anything sexually. You know, I've definitely, you know, you get a creep vibe. You know, maybe a producer asks you out for coffee before you've mm-hmm. read for the part. <laughs> I've had that happen. Really? I had one very wow. well-known pro- and very well-known director. I was reading for a huge movie. I was never going to get the part in the first place. I shouldn't have been in there. I wasn't right for it. And I will never forget this. I'm sitting in there. And I finished reading. He goes, okay, uh, where are you from? And he like rapid fired them. I go, Dallas. He goes, oh, what's your favorite comic? And I answered. He goes, where do you perform? And he goes, do you have a boyfriend? And I go, yeah. And he goes, okay. And like that was it. That was the interview. It's, it was, <laughs> was and the there's interview. other people in the room huh. and it was such a, I'm a big dick. I can do whatever. Yeah. You don't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to treat you. And a lot of these men treat women like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've definitely had comics say shitty things, mm-hmm. but I am lucky in that I haven't had to experience it as much as the average woman and my heart breaks for those women um and it only fortifies my uh, resolution to be an advocate on behalf of those women Mm -hmm. and stand up for people who can't and just be there and fight the good fight well yeah now that we've uh, set the tone for the entire interview (laughs) i know it's one of those things where like you have to tread so lightly because everybody is so offended these days right if i and especially as a woman being like oh feminism you say the wrong thing and you will have a mm-hmm. wave and I, it's going to get this from this of women <laughs> coming at you as a mm-hmm. feminist. And they'll be uh, there. You didn't say the right thing or you made us you victim blame because mm-hmm. you used the wrong adjective. Like it's a constant onslaught. And so, look, I, I do. My whole career is a love letter. Women, I do everything that I can. If you have a problem with me because I'm not the exact right woman you want me to be because I didn't say the right thing, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's honest. I'm so tired of walking on eggshells when I'm not even the bad guy. Yeah, and you take issue in the book with this whole thing of women attacking women and putting each other down. Do you feel that in interviews like this, maybe gossipy reporters are just looking for a soundbite, trying to goad you into shit-talking about some other female celebrity? I get that a lot. I mean, and it's not as much anymore, but, like, coming up, you know, it's always like, oh, what do you think of so-and-so? What do you think of this girl special? Do you know? You know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I know them and. You're not going to, if I give you something negative to say, it just becomes about that, not the context. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people love the idea of women arguing with each other. And I think a lot of women need to realize, you know, you don't, my brand of feminism is I judge you based on merit. Not, I'm not going to automatically love you because you're a woman. I'm not going to give you a break just because you're a woman. I'll give you a chance. But if you suck, you suck. And I'm a pretty equal opportunity offender. So how about that Kate Hudson? What a bitch, right? 
I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding. Um, Well, the new book is called Girl Logic. Who's the audience for this? Is it intended to help the women utilize their girl logic or guys who can't understand girl logic? Well, the beauty is women already utilize it effortlessly. And that's part of uh, what makes us so complex and I guess the genius of it. This is sort of me saying, hey, here's how I think and feel. Mm -hmm. Just so you know, you're not alone. I want women to find themselves in the pages of this. And for guys who read it, I do think that some of this applies. You know, a lot of this, some of the later chapters are about respect for certain people or work ethic or my personal story of struggling coming up in uh, show business, which can be applied to any business, really. Um, The kind of guy who's going to read this is probably already on your side as a girl. He's probably not a pig and probably is a cool dude. And if anything, it'll give you a little bit of insight to why some or most of us think the way that we think. So, and it is funny. You know, this isn't, yeah, there's no scientific data behind this. There's no pie <laughs> charts. Um, so it gives you a little competitive edge with the girls <laughs> and maybe even will uh, will cause you to have a little bit of compassion. Now, there are probably some guys, some less evolved men who would say that girl logic is an oxymoron. Uh, explain exactly then what girl logic is. Okay, so girl logic is, it's not, Women are stupid. They can't have logic. It's the logic that girls uh, employ when they're thinking. So my whole thesis is, because this book is not an autobiography, it's more of a college essay, which I was never great at, but this book's pretty good. (laughs) Um, Women are expected to be so many things to so many people at once. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, slutty, demure, reserved, outspoken, not too loud, mother, sister, friend, party girl, quiet, you know. And it's easier said than done to be like well fuck what everybody thinks because when you're a woman the ramifications of other people's perceptions of you can be in some cases deadly oh she seemed like she was asking for it or be detrimental to your success oh she seemed like a bitch she's you know she seems stupid she seems like she's not trying and she seems like very quickly translates into an actuality that somebody Mm. puts upon you um so because we're required to be so many things to so many people and we have our own fantasies often of delusion. We factor in so many variables in making even the tiniest of decision. And we do this for anything from interactions with people, what we're going to wear, job interviews, what we're going to eat, how much we're going to drink, what boys are going to like. And it happens effortlessly, but it's a, I don't know, it's kind of a maze of logic. We're factoring in so many things because... The options are more infinite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, probably the best example of girl logic in practice is something that frustrates probably every man when a man asks you, what do you want for dinner? Right. Break that thought process down for us. So, you know, I I use this as as the elementary example. Because everybody goes through this. Everybody yeah. gets annoyed. You know, what do you want to eat? I don't know. Whatever you want is good. And then, of course, not whatever you want is not good. And he's like, great. Well, have a town. You're like, I don't want it. I don't want pasta. I don't want carbs. I don't want a thing. Um, and this is not to reduce women down to like all we're all obsessed with our bodies. But you're lying to yourself if you say you don't think about that as a woman, especially as a young woman. Um, so it's a guy can be like, pizza sounds great. And for a woman, it's like. I t- pizza's tasty. Did I already have pizza today? Am I counting my calories? Do I have to wear an evening dress tonight and look in shape and look thin? Do I have to put on a bathing suit later? Am I trying to be healthier? Do I feel that dairy's doing something? The last time I went to that pizza place, here's how I felt. Oh, I was hoping to have a more romantic night. Oh, pizza's not as fun. <laughs> and you're, it's, you know, it sounds insane because we have our own fantasies about the perfect restaurant that's going to be in outer space with tapas that doesn't <laughs> exist. Uh, but, you know, And it's easy to say, well, who cares if you don't look great in your dress? And it's like everybody, everybody and nobody at the same time. You can say it doesn't matter. I'll just go out. But it's not nice to feel like you don't look your best. And that is part of being a woman. I've literally never had that thought process. Right. I think does pizza sound good to me right now. (laughs) You've never had your entire life's worth judged by how good you look in an outfit. Wow. And I, not that I care if sexual predators judge it, but you know, I put a picture online. My job is to be funny, which I think I'm failing at in this interview. I think I'm being a little too serious, Whoa, but no. it's because I'm really hungry. <laughs> um, no. I offered you candy. I can't have the candy. I offered you so much candy. I told you this. I can't All have of my candy. Halloween candy. I, I, I know that was a real nadir in this day for me, just plopping <laughs> your Halloween candy on your desk. Um, what was I even saying? Uh, 
What was I saying? I don't remember. We were talking. Well, okay, we were talking about uh, uh, how women have to think about how they're going to look in an outfit, which kind of goes into the next question, I suppose, because you say that the biggest enemy of women is probably modern fashion, right? I mean, again, I remember Bruce Jenner getting in trouble saying uh, the hardest part about being a woman is getting dressed, and everybody, of course, crucified him because we or her because we love to rip people apart. But it's not totally wrong. Mm-hmm. It re- you have to factor in so many things. There's comfort. There's perceived sexuality. There's sexuality. There's uh, how tight this is going to be, like uh, appropriateness. Um, fashion in and of itself, I really believe every th- most things out there are to make women buy more beauty products, mm-hmm. more plastic surgery, and clothing that you're that's going to make you feel bad. Whatever your body type is, there's the clothing out there for the most part isn't for you. I work out every single day. I'm probably between a size four and a six. And you go shopping and anything, if you have any kind of curve, fashion wants you to know that's not for you. (laughs) Everything is built for like a 14-year-old Japanese boy. The amount, and this is, look, every girl has her body issues. I think I have a great body. That's the other thing is you can complain about something but still have high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. A huge ish problem we have as women is you'll be like, ugh, I feel so gross. And girls are like, you look amazing. Stop. It's like, no, you stop. I'm allowed to not be like leading my own <laughs> p- pride parade about yeah. how hot I am. You know, like we're humans. So like I have, I guess, pretty big boobs and anything you put on. it Like it's always like, oh, you should wear this without a bra. I'm like, what? And walk? <laughs> Why? So uh, just wear this evening gown, go and braless. I'm like, so I look like an orangutan or so I'm just sweating all night. Everything is made for like five, nine, 110 pound A cups. That's it. Every website is just like this bra has no underwire and it's great. I'm like, great for who? A child. So those are the things I focus on. Other girls might be chubby and nothing fits. They might have big arms, you know, every, but rest, rest assured, everything out there in fashion But then the funny other side of it is you're like, I just I'm a real woman. I want to see how it looks on real women. And when I see real women in a fashion show, I'm like, where are the models? Yeah. Like, I don't need to fantasize <laughs> really? about how I'm going to look. I want to fantasize about how I could look when I lose the weight that I don't need to lose. You also have a list in here of the clothes items that are never OK to wear. What are I those? wish I could redo that list because I wrote oh, yeah? that list at Would the beginning of writing this it? book. <laughs> Uh, I think mules are ugly shoes. What is a mule? A mule. I've never, I, I, maybe I have seen I'm it. I'm staring I didn't at even one right here it. on your logo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a slip on shoe. It's like a hoof, and you put your foot in. <laughs> so all that's left showing is your crackly heel. It's just an ugly name. Call it a slip, but a mule, because yeah. you look like a mule. Um, embroidered jeans are one of the few things where they're so over, and yet so many people still wear them. Like, people just are unwilling to let it go. It would be like people still wearing, like, bell bottoms or something. Um, <laughs> it's just a great way to say, like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I'm wearing embroidered jeans. <laughs> I don't remember what the other one was. I hate shirts that have holes cut out in the arms, like long sleeve shirts where it's just the what? armhole cut out so you can just see, like, the, the top armhole. of their bicep, I guess. But then down below, it's covered? There's a sleeve from the elbow down. Oh, that's weird. It's, I feel it like looks, that's for a very particular fetish or something. It's just an upper arm fetish. I just think yeah. it's a great way to... Like, if we lived in, like, Saudi Arabia, then it's like, ooh, top of her arm. But here it's just like, <laughs> you look... I don't know. You look like a like a hooker. I don't... Like a Russian... You look like a Russian housewife in West Hollywood. They love <laughs> yeah. that look. Yeah, I totally got an image from right? that. That was spot on. He's classy look. <laughs> you also say that you hate, and any woman wearing a mermaid shirt is verboten. It's what is verboten. your issue with mermaids? Because this comes up in your act a lot, too. It was in Confirmed Kills. I took a very hard stance against mermaids. Um, and as a result of it, I get mermaid uh, jokes. I got yeah. a little bit of hate mail for it. Which, if you took the time to write me a letter about why you hate me because I hate mermaids, you need an education and a hobby. Um, It was less about the mermaid gear and, like, you know, a picture of a mermaid and more adults being. I hate when something sweeps a culture and everyone does it. Like, I hate how everyone's like, adulting today, rosé all day. Anything that minimizes (laughs) women and puts us into a box of just Mm -hmm. bubbling airhead babbling idiots as i can't say it who are just one dimensional yeah and for lack of a better term basic so this whole like i'm a mermaid i was born a mermaid i'm like cool so that means you know and everyone there's different sides to mermaids but a mermaid is basically a fetishized half woman half fish thing that pirates invented when they were super boring and hoard and 
horny and bored. Wow, the sugar's <laughs> not getting to me at all. On the high seas. Uh, so some people argue like it's a siren. They call them to the rocks. I'm like, that eh, Little Mermaid wasn't a siren. She was a sex toy yeah. without a voice. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously it's a joke yeah. when people read so much into stand-up and get so yeah. upset. I'm like, I think that my point is even proven more that you're this upset. Yeah. You actually got mermaid hate mail? Oh, my God. This one woman <laughs> wrote, wrote me the anger. It's as if I had said, uh, it's as if I had gone off and said that, you know, women shouldn't have rights and shouldn't be paid the same <laughs> as men. No, Just, half women, half fish shouldn't have rights. Yeah, fuck, they got no rights. <laughs> I guess she's like a mermaid for a living or something. People do that. They put on the tails and they swim around, which is fine. Uh, at, a, guess, at a sea park or something like that? Yeah, or like okay. at a birthday party, which I'm like, okay, look, unless you have gills and you think I'm like not letting you into my restaurant because you yeah. have that, she just took it so seriously. And it's like, lady, get a fucking life. <laughs> I just as comics like you have to deflect so much. Yeah. So many people taking things. I take issue with this one sentence. It's like, okay, I'll do my job and you go swim in a fucking kids pool. <laughs> have fun, more power to you, but if you're not understanding the subtext of what I'm saying, yeah. Then I'm sad for you. Well, if I sound so angry today, are I you? want sugar so bad. I'm doing this ketogenic diet and I <laughs> picked really the wrong week to start it because I'm doing all the press for my book. So I'm a little salty. Am I Am no, I to blame for this? No, for you're putting lovely. all that candy in front of you? No, it's just funny. It's just, I just, that's bad timing on my part. <laughs> I really am a sweet lady. But see, even that, I'm like afraid people are going to think, because people aren't used to it when women have like hard opinions. And it's like, whoa, she's bristly. <laughs> yeah. I'm all bristle, all bite today, because I need some fruit. <laughs> well, yeah, you talked in the book about how, I guess, uh, you had a problem of getting labeled difficult if you asserted yourself in a creative meeting or you fought yeah. for your vision for your own project. Yeah. <laughs> right? I think, I, I think this is something a lot of artists can attest to. You know, anybody that's dealt on a network level, um, and women in particular, you know, you are always thinking, and I've had, I've been called that and I've done nothing. I know for mm. a fact, I know deep down I am a team player. I love people's input. I love people that work hard. You know, and it can come at you. You never know how your confidence or your just simply existing can incite anger in somebody who perhaps doesn't have as much confidence uh, as you um, or is insecure. Uh, I was working on a show. And I tape the I, I, I tape the entire show. You know, I show up, I do my lines, I leave. I am very professional. There is no like getting drunk or showing up late. Like I do my job. And I remember we had a call and it was about the marketing. And if you're using me as talent, it's personal. Like people yeah. know who I am. They know the brand um, and everything. And this happens with every project I do. Every person in like a talent in a marketing department's like, you know, it's it's rosé all day. You're drinking. It's pizza. You're you know, you're getting drunk. You're party girl. And it's like, is it impossible for a woman to talk about the idea of drinking and or partying uh combined with other things that make us yeah. a full-fledged human without you prioritizing just the drinking and the advertising they wanted to do was marketing me as I was just the host of something. Marketing me as this like pathetic single girl like well if you're alone on a Saturday like me if you love getting drunk and waking up and I was just like that's not who I am that's not something that women should be proud of if that is you you're probably sad about it but more importantly it's not me mm -hmm. and I simply said that because it was just so offensive and then the show we had a good run and you know they changed their formatting whatever the show didn't go definitely not a big deal and what came to what shook down the pipeline was the president of the network hated me and my reps called they're like you know is there she didn't do anything he's like she's too hard to work with that's what they say do you find that sometimes people have trouble separating the the material and the stuff that you joke about from who you are i think new fans are somebody that's grabbing a soundbite and mm -hmm. i think it's also much easier to put people in categories or boxes you know because that's how our brains want to work we want to organize these things and for women it's hard to digest the idea that women are complex and you can mm -hmm rage on a Saturday night, be at the gym on a Sunday, and then get your shit together and work hard all week. No, it's, you're just a mess, and you can't have a guy. How do you balance it all? Oh, my God, I'm getting drunk off wine. Am I done adulting? Like, that's none of the women I know. That's you in, like, your early 20s, and it's adorable. But it's just, 
we love this idea of the like drunken, brash mm-hmm. woman. And it's like, on the contrary, I choose my words very carefully. I have my shit together. I built my business from scratch. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with comedian Eliza Schlesinger when we come back in just a minute. Folks, I'm very impressed with our new sponsor, AppRiver, because, you know, if you're a business owner, you wear many hats, and it may seem like you need an IT degree to keep your business safe from cyber attacks, especially with all the vulnerabilities that come with having email systems, networks, and devices that allow you access to anything from anywhere. So how do you stay on top of everything, keep your data and your network secure, and still run your business? Pass that hat to AppRiver a leader in cloud-based security solutions for business. With AppRiver's premium email and virus protection, you can be sure that malware isn't going to be your next headache. Take it even further with web protection that keeps your network safe from both external and internal threats, as well as email encryption, continuity, and archiving solutions that can help you face anything with confidence. Throw in Office 365 for your productivity needs, and your business can be fully optimized with no additional software or hardware requirements. Everything comes with a free 30-day trial and AppRiver's phenomenal care customer service available around the clock from real AppRiver employees who answer your questions in minutes rather than days. So visit appriver.com kick to get started today. That's appriver.com kick. And now, back to the podcast. You almost remind me of someone like a Robin Williams because you, you use the whole stage, you move around, and you're physically expressive. You. you don't meekly cling to the mic stand. As a female comic, do you ever get people who give you shit about that for being physical with your comedy? I've never got any shit for it. People, really? it's always an observation. Okay. Uh, I'm very lucky. I've gotten the Robin Williams a lot. I've gotten oh, Dennis really? Miller. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see Cause that. Because I, I, I rant. Um, <laughs> the Robin Williams one, it's always, it always warms my heart when people say that. You know, I think my act is more like a series of verbal vignettes, mm-hmm. like, you know, teeny tiny sketches and stories. Um, so never criticism more. I think it's just not. It's just a natural. It's just the way that my comedy chooses to manifest itself mm-hmm. in a physical form. It's very natural to move and use my body and my voices because that's how I want to convey things. And it comes out. That's how my art comes out. For a while, I think the common refrain was, oh, women aren't funny. And I think we're finally moving past that. Have you ever heard that? Have people said that to you? And in my lifetime, it has dissipated. In my yeah. lifetime, in my career, which is only like a third of my lifetime, people have stopped saying it. Mm-hmm. And what's sad to me, and this is not necessarily their fault as much as what we put out there, lately, and it's not that many, it has been women, not men, saying that to me. Really? It has been women. I don't find females funny <laughs> normally, but I love you. And I'm like, that's okay. Maybe you haven't been exposed to it. I certainly, growing up, I I knew about Ellen, but I wasn't a student of stand-up. And there aren't a lot of examples. Now there are. Like, you're honestly going to tell me you don't think Kate McKinnon's funny, you know? Um, stand-up, though, you know, it's not a world... It's a world that women have been consume, begun to consume on their own only in the last several years. Mm-hmm. It's always been men that like, you know, comedy. And men initially started bringing their girls in to watch my stuff. And then women started coming on their own. And I've really embraced that. But that always breaks my heart a little bit because it's kind of like, how can you want feminism and inclusion if you really haven't broadened your horizons at all? That would be like me saying, I don't think female authors are good. Well, then you're ignorant. And that's okay. And now you know better, and hopefully you'll think of me. I hate when women are like, you're my favorite female comic. And I'm like, I'm just as good as any other dude that you like. I promise. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting that you said that guys would bring their girlfriends in because you say that you were always kind of a guy's girl, and you even attribute that to part of the reason that you got into comedy, right? I was always funny, and growing up, it's the boys that you would make laugh. Mm-hmm. Your girlfriends would laugh, but little girls aren't sort of imbued with this sense of with a sense of humor or knowing they can laugh at something. You know, you're goofy together, but in a class, it's typically not the girl getting up and doing a skit and making people right. laugh. Right, not I, usually oh, the class clown. And I never thought of myself as I'm the girl. I was just like I'm like I always just knew like I'm funny. 
and the gender gets blurred a little bit. And it became an issue when I got to Hollywood. I saw what an issue it was, but I've always just kind of had these, this like blinders on, ears open. And I kind of just always went in a direction that made me happy. I definitely was always making people laugh. If anything, guys knew me because I was funny. And if anything, I was welcomed in. I wasn't the hottest girl, but people liked that I could make them laugh. And then, you know, you get into college, and I started to see I was in a, a sketch comedy troupe. You know, it's a sketch comedy troupe in college. So you're going to play the ditzy girlfriend, the wife, you know, a Southern character, okay. you know. Very basic archetypes. But I was the one writing sketches. I was the one who had taught myself how to huh. edit, how to film them. I'm not putting these women down. But I started thinking, like, why am I writing A for them and B, why do I have to be that girl? Why do I have to be mm-hmm. the wife? And I've always been attracted to male comedy and speaking of that you, you say that your dad wasn't around as much as you would have liked when you were young but you guys yeah, have but sort of was? Bon- <laughs> right but you say that you you two have actually sort of reconnected and bonded over comedy more recently in fact he, i think you said that he gets comedy better than anyone you know uh who are the comics that you guys like oh see and it's never about that i think i think a lot of people mm-hmm study comedy and they know who they like and what comics they go see mm-hmm. we're a funny family oh okay. comedy is like a thing you know in high school on the way to school i would listen to monty python cds you know um comedy we're funny my mom's funny my dad's funny we're just funny and so i always had a sense of timing and a sense of what's funny and who to make fun of we love making fun of people so you know your parents get divorced your dad moves away there's all these reasons that we weren't that close but when I started pursuing stand-up, he was very, so supportive. Before I was anyone, you know, he'd come and see me headline in Camarillo, like an hour away, <laughs> like just into it. Because I think deep down, both my parents are kind of performers and life takes over and you can't mm-hmm. do that. So it's not necessarily living through your child as much as I'm getting to do something that uh, they have a knack for. And um, my dad has definitely cornered one or two of my features in yeah. a green room, be like, let's, right, let me tell you something. And, you know, I'm in Atlanta with a buddy of mine. He's like, what is it, Mr. Schlesinger? He's like, all right, listen. He has advice? Wh- yeah. The number 12. <laughs> say 12, not 7. 12 is funnier. And he's not wrong, you know. Really? It's just very funny. Yeah, and he's, you know. Huh. So um, he really does know comedy. Definitely gets comedy. Definitely yeah. was around for a lot more of it. You know, he's my dad, so he's older. Um, you don't have to watch Richard Pryor on loop. To become a funny yeah. person. You either are funny or you aren't, by the way. Yeah. Do you, you you feel that that's innate? I do. Really? I do believe it's uh, a part of nature, but also nurture. You know, mm-hmm. if you are told yeah, to shut definitely. the fuck up every time you talk growing up, you probably won't be as confident. <laughs> I always got laughs from a teacher, from parents, friends, from my friends. Like, I just, that was my thing. And I felt mm-hmm. good. And it felt like that was my thing. So I definitely... You know, when you're growing up, you're the funniest one in your school. So it's like, oh, you're going to be on Saturday Night Live because that's all anyone knows. No one's like, oh, you're going to tour a third rate comedy circuit. I know you are. <laughs> so it was a love, a lovely mixture of of uh, positive attention for it. And I never questioned it. And anybody later in life that said anything negative, I just assumed they were jealous. And even if I was wrong, still a healthy assumption. <laughs> so it keeps you going. Well, your big break was winning Last Comic Standing in 2008. No, I never stopped hearing about it. (laughs) I'm sure. And it's weird because it's a comedy contest, but it's also a reality show. So you have that whole weird dynamic playing itself out offstage. When you're on a reality show, everyone goes in with a strategy. It's like gambling. Everyone's got a strategy. Did you come in with a particular strategy for winning Last Comic Standing? So my objective wasn't to win. My objective was merely to not embarrass myself mm-hmm. and to not go home first. Okay. I really knew nothing. I'd been doing comedy for three years without any... I didn't know about Just for Laughs Festival. I didn't know about how much money comics... I didn't know you could do a stand-up special. Like I really didn't know anything. I was just doing these crappy gigs, going to my home clubs, like just kind of figuring it out, as you do when you're in your mm-hmm. early 20s. And went on the show, and I had... I'd been a student of reality TV. I watched Rock of Love a lot. Oh, God. Which, yeah. Uh, God, I hope wow. Brett Michaels found the one. Um, and like Flavor, was it Flavor, Flavor of Love? Flavor of Love? Oh, yeah. yeah. Flavor of Love. Flavor. And he was on a flight of mine recently. Um, and so I knew what it looked like to be made to look like a shitty person. I knew how that worked. <laughs> yeah. I knew I watched the editing. And 
and I guess this is divine intervention, comedy god, divine intervention. Um, can I put my foot on your table? Oh, yeah, you can cool? put your foot wherever you want. Thank you. It's in my <laughs> Make mouth. Make yourself at in home. my mouth as we speak. Um, somebody told me that they had talked to the producers, and they, you know, when you produce a show, you kind of write out, like, a storyline for each character, and you try right. to weave those together. You know, sometimes you can't, but it's produced. Yeah. That's why you're a producer, and... Yeah. Uh, they said they were looking to make the girl, the blonde girl from Dallas, look bad. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that's not who I am. I'm not a bitch. I'm not mean. I'm not mean-spirited. I don't like starting arguments. Uh, I'll end one, but I don't like starting. <laughs> I won't start it. And so I just made sure, you know, I noticed in editing on reality shows. This is a long time ago. This is before everyone knew everything about reality shows. If I say someone else's name, they'll cut to that person. Mm-hmm. And I wanted all the camera time I could get because I didn't know how long I'd be there. So... I never talked, I never said bad things about other people. I, I brought every question back to me. They had a room in the house that was like, if you ever feel you want to get something on your chest and just go oh, the to the confessional. Yeah. I was like, the fuck that. Are you out of your mind? First of all, not Catholic. So that's uncomfortable for me. <laughs> Second of all, no, I'm not stupid. I'm not going in there just to vent about my housemate. Give me a break. <laughs> this is confidential. Uh, and so it was a combination of that and performing every week because I kept getting challenged. So I guess the rest is history. Well, yeah. yeah, and you say that the real nightmare began after you won the show and you went on the last comic standing tour with all the guys that you had beaten. It doesn't sound like they were very good sports about it, huh? I don't. I feel like Al Bundy, like still talking about the one thing. <laughs> Just for the record, for those of you listening, yeah. I never talk about last comic standing. I never bring it up. <laughs> I, I got to take it out of the bio, but then I don't know what we're going to lead with. Um, <laughs> but I will say this. This is the closest I've come to something horrific uh, mm-hmm. And being treated a certain way by the opposite yeah. sex. And this, it was funny. I did a show with Amy Schumer. This is right before she got rocketed <laughs> into outer space for stardom. But uh, we did a show in Pittsburgh. And afterward, we were kind of just chit-chatting. And she was the only other girl. She didn't win. Yeah, Amy, take that. <laughs> she didn't win. But <laughs> she was the only other person I'd ever found solace in because she knew exactly what I had gone through as well. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting for me because... I have no other woman to bond over something remotely similar with. Um, I think my experience was a little bit more severe in that I won and all these people were my friends. And then we went on this tour and the indelible mark left uh, on my heart and on my mind from the treatment I got has shaped the comic that I am today for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. They were so abusive, so verbally abusive. One even threatened to punch me in the face at one point. And this is just, I'm a 25, 26 year old girl. I'm surrounded by grown (sighs) men. Two of them, I think were around my age, you know, but they were, they would like ice me out. Like they wouldn't talk to me some days, you know, they would talk about me it was just Why? constant on edge. They just didn't like your presence. They had just <laughs> decided. About you? One of them decided that he should have won, mm. even though he didn't come in anywhere near close <laughs> to first place huh. or even somewhere near that. Um, and he just kind of, you know, because they're boys, so he like kind of turned them all against me. And mm-hmm. the there's like two others that one guy like ranged from apathetic. He was pretty apathetic, and then the other two were just sort of his like lackeys. And it was just every day was just this emotional. I was so excited to be on this tour. I thought these were gonna be my friends. We should have been touring the country and going out and taking pictures. Yeah, I'm fun. And I would get on that tour bus with these grown men. I would just sleep. We would get to the venue. Nobody would eat with me. Nobody would sit with me. Sometimes I'd like come over, but no, if I sneeze, no one would say, bless you. Again, women are getting raped all day, every day. This is just my story. But this was my first introduction to stand up was a group of men just treating me like absolute garbage. Some of them had children, and this is how they treated. Wow. And they were so, and then one of them threatened to hit me, which was just so gross. Uh, I remember my manager at one point being like, how did you lose so much weight? And I didn't even, I didn't even notice it. I was like, I eat one meal a day, and I'm scared all day. Oh, my God. And it's not, you know, Jeez. now I'd be like, That's fuck awful. you. The tour manager was a yeah. piece of shit. Like, they really? just decided. And it was, all I did was not, lay down and die yeah and uh that's the hardest thing i will ever have to go through in stand-up besides Mm -hmm. the whole career which is a never-ending fight for your life but stand-up comedy is not that competitive normally it's a competitive Mm -hmm. industry but that's a concentrated dose of competition you can dislike another comic because they get a show over you but this was like concentrated in your you're on a bus together they hate you and you can't get them to comp to, to stop it's relentless 
And so I realized years later that I'd never have to do that again. So now I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah. So of any sort of a baptism of In fire. comedy, by yeah. the way. Yeah. I'm afraid of like break-ins and <laughs> yeah. rape, uh, spiders. But yeah, it was a, a really shitty introduction. So for years, you know, I was kind of, and still am, just like a little tough. Mm-hmm. And eventually I kind of let it go a little bit, realizing that other comics need kindness more than anything. You got to give them second chances. I wouldn't want to ever make someone feel the way that they made me feel, yeah. especially at such a young age. Um, and there's other instances of that. If I'm looking back now, early in my career, where like it's just a man that cannot handle that you are good or have success. Really, I had one guy who would—I don't remember his name. I would do these like Orange County stand-up competitions <laughs> in like 2006. Some comic I can't remember his name would just write me hate emails. You're a fuck. What? I actually can't even remember. You would just take the time to email you. Email me. Just tell me how horrible I was. What a bitch I was. Like, just God. I didn't even know him. And it went on like that for months. And then one day he sent me one. He's like, I went to rehab. I want to apologize. And I'm like, so oh, wow. I had to still. That's my biggest thing. When you have to withstand the abuse. Mm-hmm. It's like when someone is a skinhead and then they have a daughter or they meet a black person that they like. They're like, I understand now. I'm like, okay, so because you were slow to (laughs) mentally develop, we all have to deal with that. But now that you're ready to be a human, you get a a cookie. Yeah. Fuck off. Well, you you also you talk about how your own comedy has evolved over the past few years. You say in the book that you regret some of your earlier jokes because you felt that they made fun of women in a way that maybe puts them down. What would be the kind of jokes that you probably wouldn't do now? You know, it's it's tough because I wrestle with the fact that I wrote that. It's regret is a tough word because I don't Mm -hmm. regret it because to regret it would be to deny my voice and thought process at that time as an artist. Yeah. And sometimes you don't have the perfect words, the most mature words, but I was saying the things I was supposed to be saying at that age. Yeah. So I had this joke about watching women walk through a nightclub, which, you know, at 25, 26, 27, that's where you're going at night or a bar. Everyone does it. You hold hands. You hold hands so you, so you for safety, really, so you don't lose the girl behind you. And it's sure. a way to sort of break through all the bodies. And I'd be like, you watch a group of girls trying to get to the bathroom. They hold hands. They form a chain of whores and they walk. <laughs> I chose that verbiage. I'm very meticulous with the words that I choose because it's funny. Mm-hmm. You giggled at it. It's yeah. a funny image. <laughs> chain is a funny word. Chain of whores. Like yeah. th- those are never put together. There's a reason that that little equation works. So it was funny. And no one's ever had an issue with it. So this is myself. Oh, it was entirely yourself. It was just me looking okay. back because for the most part, I'm pretty proud of all of it. I think mm. I said the N-word once with like a soft A uh, <laughs> in my first special. And I, I would never do it again. Yeah. You know, it wasn't. I also think you have to factor in intention. But I do uh-huh. think with a word like that, it's. You get some black people are cool that some yeah, are not. So I wouldn't do it again. About your intention, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But I think uh, it just depends who you talk to. Yeah. You know, I've had black yeah. friends watch it. They're like, "That's fucking funny," and <laughs> I've had fans be like, "That's not cool." So wouldn't do it again. Um, live and learn. You know, if we were all born totally woke, then we'd have no problems here. I think we don't allow for people to be like, "Whoops," wouldn't do it again. Yeah. This doesn't contradict what I was saying about the skinhead. That's a whole <laughs> lifetime of deliberately hurting people. Um, but there's also an ignorance and you live and yeah. you learn and you grow and you listen. So while I said the whore thing then, it's just a word I wouldn't use now just because yeah. my eyes are so open now as a more mature woman to the blanket labeling of mm-hmm. women and how quickly that word gets applied mm-hmm. to women just for nothing. I have this sort of unified theory of stand-up comedy that I tend to run by all the comedians that come on the show. I believe that every person should have to do a five-minute set at an open mic. Everyone, not just comedians. <laughs> I, in my mind, I've built it up where it's going to be this growth experience. Yeah. You're going to learn to not take yourself so seriously. You'll learn and, a lot about yourself, humility and all that. And they'll and, learn how hard it is and, oh, yeah, well, yeah, and yeah, to yeah, do, not yeah, give yeah, me notes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean... I don't know if there's, are we getting government funding for this? Before Trump uh, eliminates the NEA, maybe. <laughs> um, you know who should have to do a set? Who? People who write the about people comedy. people who write you? Bloggers, <laughs> okay. people that work for re- websites that critique. Mermaids. People who have never, mermaids. People who have never done anything brave like that, yeah. but want to sit mm-hmm. back. If you want to analyze it, that's yeah. different. But if you really want to sit there and Monday criticize it. quarterbacks. Without yeah. any idea of what goes into it. Mm-hmm. It's part of art, but it also 
I never take it seriously because I'm like, what the fuck have you ever done? <laughs> you ever gone up in front of 2,000 people and just bared your soul and hope they agreed yeah. with you? Yeah, well, yeah, and these days with Twitter and everything, it's just so easy. Some guy who's sitting in his basement or sitting on his couch and has never got up before an audience in his life suddenly and, thinks he's a critic. Well, and what's worse is that that can get retweeted, then picked up by a site, right. and then all of a sudden this per this idiot has a voice. I've definitely had that happen to me where I'm really? like, who the fuck are you? You're getting retweeted about criticizing me. And social media, unfortunately, gives everyone mm -hmm. a forum. The only thing you can do as the purveyor of that entertainment as the person up there making the art is learn to block it out which is a mm. new skill set that you have to acquire in this day and age somebody i favorited something that donald trump said because it was actually not the worst thing i'd ever heard yeah he says something about the guy who ran over the people in new york he demanded an isis flag for his hospital and then donald trump you know oh i didn't hear that condemned him it was just yeah. you know one tweet yeah, so i started because i was like yeah fuck yeah. that dude <laughs> and this person wrote back they're like you like this tweet explain yourself and i was like <laughs> i didn't write anything it's like you don't deserve that yeah. i i don't i'm not spending my day explaining myself to someone who i don't owe an explanation to yeah i said what i said you'll get over it you'll go back to your job you know folding hamburgers or whatever and and life will go on yeah i mean even a broken clock is right twice a day and there's <laughs> no harm in acknowledging that i guess but. Mm. but regardless of that tweet you know just in general people have questions and it, again it's about intention you can tell yeah. when a fan has a real question and when someone just wants to bury you yeah so the takeaway here is that you will defend harvey weinstein and donald trump to the last Til the, stand, to my right? dying breath <laughs> girls you just you gotta not go outside it's your fault <laughs> Well, before we go, I just have to ask, you cover some of your dating life in the book. Is it true that you broke up with a guy who later faked his death to get back at you? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I've definitely, it's so tough as a woman because it's always like, oh, I've dated so many crazies because somehow that reflects poorly on the woman. Like, oh, you choose wrong. Well, anytime you say that it's everyone else and not me. like right Donald Trump. totally <laughs> it's not like, me what's it's the common denominator else. here but there are some cases that you know but prove spread the out enough yeah. I mean, you're gonna run into some crazies right. but it's funny because when guys are like oh dude a couple girls that were crazy no one's yeah. like oh that guy must be broken it's like oh what a bunch of dumb bitches yeah uh and this was oh my god i must have been like 23 or 24 yeah i just he was you know, you're going out, he's an older guy. Not uh -huh. that much older. He was like in his 30s. But it was cool. Okay. Every girl's so done that. So he should be ma more mature than that, right? Ideally, <laughs> or according to the way men mature, he's just at like an 18-year-old. So we're like... <laughs> and it was just, you know, we didn't. We never even slept together. We went out for like drinks and we'd hang out because I didn't know how much I liked him. Um, but it was a fun experience and I write about it in the book. But I remember he wrote... What, for me, I wasn't... I was kind of like losing interest and then he sent me an email that he had written for work and I, I think he asked me to like proofread it or something which is also another red flag that you're asking yeah. some 23 year old comic <laughs> to proofread it and there were just so many grammatical errors just typos punctual it was just so it was egregiously bad it was yeah. I can't fix this bad it was like oh you don't know <laughs> how to speak English yeah bad and uh he was American, so that's not a knock against immigrants. Everybody's so fucking sensitive. Uh, it was just really bad. He was just an idiot. And so I found that unattractive. Yeah. I broke up with him. And then on AIM, I get this message from one of his friends. Just so you know, I won't say his name. Like, Scott, Scott, he's no longer with us. He's in a better place now. <laughs> and, like, he had friends texting me to, like, let me know God. he was I was like, is he in prison? Is that a better place for him? <laughs> I'm sure he's alive. But it was just... That's insane. If he had died, I highly doubt the girl he was casually dating, uh, yeah. whom none of you had met, would be the first person you'd contact. <laughs> yeah. so. I mean, who are these friends? What kind of friends are him. these? They, it oh, was they were him. all him. It had to have Posing been him. As his Why friends? would anybody else have my AIM? Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was, I was like, who are these friends that are like allowing him to do this? Definitely <laughs> him. Going along with or this. he was like over a friend's oh. shoulder. No, tell, tell wow. him she really missed out. <laughs> And that is not painting me as special. It's just more painting him as like a loser. Yeah. Wow. Well, you'll get more stories like that and a whole lot more in Eliza Schlesinger's new book, Girl Logic, The Genius and the Absurdity. Eliza, thanks for talking with me. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Eliza Schlesinger for coming on the show. Order her new book, 
Girl Logic, The Genius and the Absurdity on Amazon or download the audio version on audible.com. Follow her on Twitter at at Eliza or visit her website, Eliza.com. That's I-L-I-Z-A. Today's episode was sponsored by Nadex. You know, more investors are getting into day trading to take advantage of market downturns instead of watching helplessly from the sidelines. The problem? Day trading can be risky and trading the downside can be confusing. But binary options on Nadex let you day trade with risk protection built in. You decide your maximum risk and reward and you can never lose more. And trading downturns is just as easy as trading rallies. Try day trading for yourself on the first and largest American binary options exchange. Trade stock indexes, commodities, forex, even economic numbers. See why over 100,000 members choose Nadex. Find out more at Nadex.com. That's N-A-D-E-X.com. Trading on Nadex involves risk and may not be appropriate for all investors. Now, folks, you've heard me read ads for brands like Nadex, as well as HelloFresh, Harry's Razors, Stamps.com, and others, all amazing companies that I truly believe in. And the reason these ads are great is they keep the show free, and they introduce listeners like you to new products and services you'll love. It's a win for everyone, and I'm happy to have the help and expertise of Midroll Media to ensure that this show continues to have great advertisers. If you're interested in advertising on our show, Go to midroll.com slash kickass and click contact to let the folks at Midroll know. They also represent other great shows from people who've been guests on Kickass News like Neil deGrasse Tyson's Star Talk podcast and Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal podcast. So you can actually reach a whole array of engaged listeners. That's midroll, M-I-D-R-O-L-L dot com slash kickass. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review. You can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at at KickAssNewsPod. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and ideas at comments at KickAssNews.com. I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.